This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 114, The Eight Rules for Bank on Yourself with Jim Conrad. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. I'm your co-host, Holly Bach, and with me here in the studio is Mark Willis. Hello, hello. So thank you so much, for uh, Mark, for being here and listeners for tuning in today. Um, we really do have a great episode lined up for you here today. I know we probably say that like every week, um, but this one I really do think will be a treat for um, a treat for you all. Uh, Jim Conrad, we're going to have him on as a guest, and he's just awesome. Um, he has a lot of wisdom to share after years and years and years and years and years mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in just the this industry and um, just truly it's it's a privilege and an honor anytime you kind of get to hear from him and um, I guess kind of pick his brain a little bit. And so that's what we're going to do here today. He's like an engineer with a soul. You know, it's one of the ways <laughs> I kind of see Mr. Jim. But um, may I see that uh, on your table there, Holly? There's a special book we want to share with you guys. We got way too many at our office. We're ready to get them out of our hands <laughs> and into yours. So if you'd like, uh, we'd love to send you for free Uh, a copy of Pamela Yellen's brand new book. Now, Pamela Yellen, uh, she coined the phrase, trademarked the phrase, bank on yourself, if you've heard that phrase before on our show. Uh, Get it right from her, right? Uh, This is a book brand new, uh, updated with statistics and material straight from 2019. It's called Rescue Your Retirement, Five Wealth-Killing Traps of 401ks, IRAs, and Roth Plans. And most importantly, how to avoid those wealth-killing traps, right? So mm-hmm. um, reach out to us. You can either take a picture of your iTunes review and email it to us at hello at not your app. Wait, hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com. That's hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com. We kept the email nice and short for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can schedule an appointment with us before the end of 2019. Now, it's got to be before the end of 2019. It's a 15-minute appointment. Hopefully, you can find a time on our calendars for that. Uh, and we'll get you this book for free. I, I think it's going to change your life. It might change the life of your family. So hop on our calendars if you've not already done so and you get this book for free. So first things first, we got that out of the way. Uh, and uh, I would suppose that by the time you're listening to this, our wonderful Holly Bach has had her little baby girl. So congratulations to you, Holly, if you're <laughs> listening to this in the future. <laughs> future Holly. Uh, so uh, and, and congratulations to Jacob, uh, your husband as well. So let's get to the uh, content today. Jim Conrad the president of Conrad Financial Services, resides with his wife and Deb, uh, her name is Deb in Concord, North Carolina. Jim started working for his clients in financial services over 20 years ago. And after a 25 year career in management with a fortune top 10 company, he grew up in the Chicago suburbs. I like him already. And he, uh, he holds a BS in chemical engineering from Purdue University and an MBA from Lewis University. Jim has been a bank on yourself authorized advisor for the past 13 years, and his passion is helping people achieve financial peace of mind by owning a strategy that they can count on for life. Welcome, Jim, to the show. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Good to be here. Good to be talking to you again. 
You've got uh, a lot of credentials to your name as a um, both as an engineer, but also in the bank on yourself world. You've helped kind of bring some esoteric concepts down the ladder. And then I'd love to get into your what you've discovered as sort of the eight rules for bank on yourself. But first, could you just sort of tell tell our listeners how do you see the best use of a dollar in a per, typical person's financial life. If I if I was just to talk to the average man on the street, I'm going to have a dollar in my pocket at the end of the month, my discretionary income, you might say. Um, if I can spend that dollar, I can save it in a savings account, or I can put it in one of these policies. Can you describe a little bit about the dollar diagram and a little bit about how you sort of see that that one dollar being used in the most efficient way possible? Absolutely, and that's a big part of my eight rules, Mark. So when we go into the rules, I'll, I'll do more with the dollar diagram. But basically, I, I have done a presentation that I call the dollar diagram. I started doing it on a whiteboard, and uh, eventually I got it kind of packaged into a nice presentation on PowerPoint, and that's available on my YouTube channel on the Internet. And... Uh, basically, what I'm doing is proving to people that there's no such thing as paying too much premium, which is actually rule number two, um, because you know if you've got a dollar discretionary income, you can either save it or you can spend it. If you spend it, it's gone forever. It doesn't have a chance to grow. You exchange that dollar for something that you bought, and it's gone. Uh, whereas if you save it, if you put it into the bank on yourself type, whole life policy as paid up additions premium, uh, then that dollar is going to grow reliably over your lifetime many times. And I use a 45-year-old as an example. It's going to grow nine times over their lifetime. And then you can borrow it, that dollar, in and out of the policy over and over again, and your, your growth continues at the same rate as if you never borrowed it. So I prove in that diagram, in that presentation, that there's no such thing as paying too much premium. Right. If I could put my money into a system, as you say, you know, into a policy that even if I'm using that money over and over again, if it grows from $1, if I'm 45 years old, if it grows from $1 to $9, yeah, you're right. There's, there is no such thing as paying too much premium. That's phenomenal. Well, uh, so Jim, tell us a little bit about why you made these rules and First of all, why don't you just tell us what they are at kind of a lightning speed, and then we'll break down each one and why they're important. Okay. So what are the eight rules for a bank on yourself type policy? Yeah, well, I, I have been saying these things to my prospects and clients over and over over the last 13 years, and it dawned on me not too long ago that I actually have rules that I always say to people. And so I wrote them down uh, not too long ago, and, and there turns out to be eight of them. Uh, rule number one is a bank-on-yourself type whole life policy gets better every year, and there's nothing you can do about it. Number two is there's no such thing as paying too much premium, and I proved that in the dollar diagram. Rule number three, pay as much premium as you can for as long as you can. Number four, always use your own capital. Uh, did I say always? And number five is never save up money in somebody else's bank. Number six, pay back your policy loans in a reasonable amount of time. 
Number seven, favor paying premium over paying back loans quickly. And number eight, if you bank on yourself, you can forget about interest rates and rate of return. So that's the eight rules, sort of like uh, on TV, if you've seen the show NCIS, you know, you've got mm -hmm. Special Agent Gibbs, and he's got like 57 rules. And uh, so I thought, well, I've got some rules too. Turns out there, there are at least eight of them that I use for banking on yourself. So let's break down each one. These are like pro tips or, you know, ninja skills, uh, black belt. <laughs> Uh, for the bank on yourself revolutionaries listening to this, uh, for those yep. that don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to episode six for more about the sailboat analogy. And uh, you can certainly learn more just by listening to all of our back catalog about what is this thing called a bank on yourself policy. But for the pros listening, let's talk about each one of those. Why is it uh, from an engineer's perspective? Uh, I got to imagine that something that gets better or more efficient every year, that'd be rule number one, gets better and more efficient every year and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I'm thinking about my car. It's not going to get better gas mileage next year, right? Uh, I'm thinking about no, it my... kind of violates the rules of physics, doesn't yeah. it? How can it? How is that possible? How is it possible that something could get more efficient every year? Yeah, first of all, what do I mean by better? Um, well, the base policy cash value and a dividend-paying whole life policy from a non-direct recognition mutual life insurance company, which is a bank-on-yourself type policy, is guaranteed to increase every year. And on top of that, the non-guaranteed dividends and the paid-up additions rider premium purchase additional paid-up death benefit, which also has the same guaranteed increases every year. So as you pay base and PUA rider premium, you're compounding the guaranteed increases in an exponential manner. So, Mark, do you know anything else in this life that gets better every year other than my wife, of course? <laughs> I, I'm, honestly, I'm, I can't really think of too much. Uh, I mean, maybe something like I'm imagining uninterrupted compounding systems. I'm thinking like algae in the lake across the street from our house. <laughs> That's about everything else I can imagine that gets, more, uh, that gets faster or better every year. Yeah, there isn't anything. Uh, nothing else that I know of. And uh, I'll say more about a about this first rule in rule number eight. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's the rule number eight is forget about rate of return. So, you know, if this is getting better every year, why am I forgetting about rate of return? But I'll hold, hold everyone's interest by not spoiling it there. So let's get to number two, unless there's more you'd like to share on rule number one. No, let's go to number two. And that is there's no such thing as paying too much premium. And like I said, I prove that in my dollar diagram, uh, which people can view if they go to my YouTube channel and then just search on Conrad Financial Services, they'll find that presentation. It's about 15 minutes long. So what you're saying is go to youtube.com, search for Conrad Financial Services? Yep. And then there's a number of videos. You'll find the dollar diagram in there and and you can watch it. And that's that's where I show you how how to use that dollar over your lifetime to uh, to create you know wealth for you and your family. So if a, a boy type policy is guaranteed to get better exponentially every year, then why wouldn't you want to pay as much premium as you could, Mark? Yeah. Why wouldn't you quit putting your hard earned money into everything else and take out a policy and another policy and policy after policy as you find ways to pay more premium? 
In 13 years now, I've got nine policies. So I created the dollar diagram to mathematically prove there's no such thing as paying too much premium. And I show you how you can use your policy loan privilege to utilize your own capital, that is your own cash value, to make major purchases over and over again throughout your working lifetime. Paying them back in a reasonable amount of time and your policy continues to grow at the same rate. So that over your your lifetime, and I assume you know that you're going to live to be 90, even after you pay interest on all of that borrowing, you will net many, many times the amount of premium you pay. It's about nine times if you start at age 45. And then, if you allow me to plan your retirement income strategy properly, you can take the money out of your policies without paying any income tax. It's truly remarkable. I mean, again, just if I was an alien coming down from another planet and looked at how people manage their money, uh, if I noticed that most people have zero money in liquid cash, put it all in their house equity or 401k if, and credit cards uh, and auto loans and student loans to cover everything we can't come up with with cash, I would conclude that this whole civilization is totally bonkers. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, especially, especially yeah. when there is a time-tested strategy, bank on yourself, that works every time it's tried. Mm. Um, it's just it's just getting the word out like you're doing with your podcast and I do with everybody I talk to. The reason I started the dollar diagram was to try to explain to somebody who's very young, you know, I was thinking about college graduates, you know, why would you want to put money into a risk investment, a 401k or something like that, when you can have the guaranteed growth that you get in a bank on yourself type plan. And, uh, I was, trying to come up with a way to explain to them why this is so powerful. And I started doing the math on the, the PUA premium growth. You know, and I would get numbers for, let's say, you know, a 21-year-old coming out of college. That $1 that they would put into a policy at age 21 uh, would grow. Let me do the math here. by a factor of 29. So you got a dollar diagram number of 29 for a 21-year-old and it, it drops to nine by the time you're 45. It's those young people that really need to start doing this, even if it's 100 bucks a month or something you know, modest, mm -hmm. what they can afford to put in there because if you take $100 and you compound it by 29 times over your lifetime and then do, do that every month, uh, the numbers are mind-boggling. And you don't have to have a um, CFP designation or you don't have to be a certified financial analyst. You don't have to pick the right stocks and sell them at the right time. It just works is what you're saying. Just works. You know, it, it works every time it's tried. It's been working for over 160 years. Um, I'm living proof that it works. You know, I don't, I don't need banks anymore. I have financial peace of mind. I know exactly how much I'm going to have every year going forward. It's, there's nothing else like it. I had a client yesterday. He, he said, hey, I, I, I have a windfall, which is always a good problem to have, of about $45,000. Yeah. Should I just pay off my debts or should I put it into my policy first? And he had the room to put in forty plus thousand. 
we did the math using your dollar diagram formula and to his age retirement, and we just factored it to age 70, he'd have an additional $168,000 in his cash value if he just put that lump sum into his policy first and then wiped out his debt. So for him... Yeah, and then he can always he can always borrow against that if he needs it for some kind of emergency. And I cover that exact point in one of my rules too, Mark. So let's save keep that thought. Yeah, let's keep going. Pay as much premium as you can for as long as you can. That's rule number three. Right. You know, prospective clients always ask me, how long do I have to pay premium, Jim? You know, like it's a burden. <laughs> and my answer is don't ask, when can I stop? Instead, ask, how long can I keep paying? You know, if you take these first three rules to heart, you will maximize your wealth accumulation over your lifetime. And why is that? Why is it that I should want to pay premium as long as I can? Well, like I said in rule number one, the policy gets better every year exponentially and there's nothing you can do about it. So the the longer you pay premium into a policy, the greater the growth rate is every year. So when you get out to those later years, you know, pre-retirement years, the more you can put in there, um, the faster it's going to grow to a greater extent over the rest of your life. So, you know, why wouldn't you want to keep putting money into that money machine? Absolutely. Yeah. Those, imagine if you just worked another two or three years, or if you had a way to put money in for just the last three years, get another three years in, imagine the J curve, you know, on any investment, uh, all the right, happy looking investments have that nice, pretty looking curve to the up and uh, up uh, top right, right? It starts out slow, but then those last two or three years, it's going almost vertical. And if you can add more fuel to that fire, it's just tremendous. And this is no exception. Uh, typically, when I'm showing, uh, you know, an illustration to somebody and, and we're looking out to the time when they're going to retire, let's say age 70 or so, and they've had the policy for 20 or 30 years, I mean, the, the increase in cash value per year for the same amount of premium is phenomenal. It's it's generally three or four times the premium paid. So why would you want to stop doing that unless you yeah. can't, unless you're retired, you know? Right. If I had like uh, a money machine in my living room and I put a dollar in and $4 spits out, yeah, how many dollars would I put in there? Yes, exactly. That's okay. what you said. You know, I mean, they, one strategy would say uh, if you're 62 years old, take your Social Security. And if you're still working, put the Social Security money in your policy as PUA. I mean, <laughs> they have the government pay, paying your cash value. Wow, well, paying your premium for you. That's, yeah, that's a really smart idea. Well, just to keep on blowing people's minds, yeah. let's keep going. So, rule number four use your, say, how do you word rule number four? Use your own capital? Rule number four is always use your own capital. Did I say always? You know, people will say to me, Jim, why should I borrow against my policy if I can get lower interest rate at a bank or credit union? I used to get that question all the time. So that's one of the reasons I developed the dollar diagram as a partial answer to that question. But here's more. The thought process behind this question, I think, is this. If I get the same guaranteed increases in dividends, whether I borrow against my policy or I don't, then if I borrow from somebody else at a lower interest rate, 
I'll get to keep more money. The flaw in this thinking is that you can enrich both yourself and the bankers. You can't. The interest you pay on borrowed money can only enrich those you pay interest to. So if you pay interest to others, you can only enrich them. If you pay interest to your own policy loan, you can only enrich yourself. Why? Because the interest you pay on a policy loan goes back into the same pool of money from which you are paid dividends. Why would you want to build up the wealth of others, a la bankers, when you could do so for yourself and your family? It can't be both. And the next question is usually something like, why should I borrow against my policy at all if I can pay cash? You ever heard that one, Mark? Oh, sure. Then I won't have to pay any interest at all. Well, that leads me to my next rule, number five, never save up money in somebody else's bank. So it stands to reason that if you have the cash to pay for a major purchase yourself, you must be saving that money in somebody else's bank, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're in the habit of keeping tens of thousands of dollars in your closet. So again, if you have your own capital, your bank on yourself type policy cash value, you should be using that capital to finance major purchases. The money you've saved up in somebody else's bank should be used to pay premium because previous rule. There's no such thing as paying too much premium. Pay as much premium as long as you can. I mean, we've all been trained by Wall Street and our parents and the media, you know, to put money in the bank, save up for a rainy day, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you've got a properly structured bank on yourself policy with a PUA rider and there's room to put money in there, put that cash in there. And if you fill it up, start another policy. But never save up money in somebody else's bank. Yeah, I'd rather not be an asset if of someone else's bank if I can be an owner of my own bank. I love like I, like I always say, like I always say, Mark, what's the biggest building in every city, especially in the South? Yeah, the bank, right? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. How do they get so big? How do they build these huge Taj Mahals? They build it off people's savings and the interest that they can accumulate from that you know, due to fractional reserve banking and so forth, why would you want to enrich them? Mm. So we're learning to think like a banker here, Jim, and you've taken us through the first five rules. Rule number six, you say the word reasonable. So read us the rule mm -hmm. and define what you mean by reasonable. Right, yeah. Pay back your policy loans in a reasonable amount of time. Do you need to pay back policy loans? Well, if you don't, you're stealing from your own capital base. You know, like the great Nelson Nash called it, stealing the peas. Yes, you need to pay back your loans, but you should pay them back at a reasonable period of time. What's reasonable? Well, that depends on what you borrow the money for. For example, if you borrow the money to buy a new car and you keep and take care of your vehicles, you know, maybe seven to ten years is reasonable. Will the bank or finance company give you a 10-year car loan, Mark? Not, not these course, days. Of <laughs> course not. Or, or 15 years. I mean, you could finance the vehicle for as long as you wanted to. I think 7 to 10 years is reasonable. 
So the bank's not going to give you a 10-year car loan. The credit union isn't going to do that. Of course not. <clears throat> Another reason for rule number four, always use your own capital, right? If you borrowed the funds to take a nice vacation, perhaps a year or two is reasonable. If you, followed, if you borrowed the funds for a down payment on a new home, maybe 10 to 15 years is reasonable. Remember, folks, you are in control of your cash value and your policy loans. You can pay your policy loans back however and whenever you wish. A lot of times I'll have a client tell me they want to pay off their loan quickly. When I ask why, they usually say something that sounds like they are thinking the way the rest of the world thinks. They've been trained by the banks and their parents to not be in debt. But they're good debts and bad debts. You know, credit card debt is bad debt. Policy loans are good debt because the loans should only have been taken for purchases that they can afford to pay back. If you can't afford something, you shouldn't buy it, even with a policy loan. That's a key. Just that's a key wisdom that you just say that again because that's really important. We, we're not talking about taking this money and going to Vegas, right? Absolutely. Reasonable is the word. If you can't afford something, you shouldn't buy it, even with a policy loan. You know, people can get in trouble by continuing to borrow more and more against their policy, and eventually they don't have anything left to borrow, and now they've got a policy loan balance that they'll never pay back. I mean, that's that's not that's not good. You know, that's like uh, stealing the peas, right? Right, yeah, stealing from your own bank. Good. Okay, so rule number six, pay back your loans in a reasonable amount of time. Rule number seven. Yeah, let me finish on six. Uh Assuming that everything is good with the purchase, you know, it's, it's reasonable, you can afford it, and you're using your own capital f- to finance the purchase instead of somebody else's capital, then pay the loan back in a reasonable amount of time. And then rule number seven, favor paying premium over paying back loans quickly. Remember, there's no such thing as paying too much premium. My rule of thumb, if you're paying more each month for loan repayments than premium, then you need to rebalance your cash flow plan toward premium or you need to reduce your loan balance until you can pay more premium instead. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, I think that's going to throw people sideways. So let's talk about for a few <laughs> minutes why that is. I And I totally agree with you, by the way, when, when we're speaking with clients and they say, hey, Mark, I've got, I've got some wiggle room in my policy to pack some more paid up additions in. But hey, you know, I've, I've got this nagging policy loan that I'd love to pay off. What's the right thing to do with my you know, limited amount of money here? And you would tell them, and I would agree with you, to favor paying the premiums over paying your loans back quickly. But why is that? What, what is the end result there? Yeah, it goes back to the other rules I'm talking about. You know, paying as much premium as you can for as long as you can. There's no such thing as paying too much. You know, it's that premium that you pay that's going to to compound many times over your lifetime, and that's going to provide you with lifetime income. Uh, You can pay the loans back a reasonable amount of time, but remember, when you pay a loan back, it's going to be gone, and as you pay it down, you're paying less and less interest as you go. So what's an optimum balance between monthly premium and, and monthly loan repayments? You know, that's a good question, and I've only been asked that question maybe a couple of times in 13 years. 
But it seems to me that an optimum balance would be about 50% of available cash flow going to premium and no more than about 40% going to, you know, regular monthly loan repayments. Then you're going to say, what about the other 10%? Well, you need some way to pay back loans that are taken for unplanned purchases, such as emergencies or big ticket items like uh, vehicles. You know, but I think an optimum plan would be to always have your own capital at work, that is, borrowed out and buying things that you need to buy. Um, but but have that be no more than 40% of your available cash flow. That that means that you're emphasizing emphasizing paying premium rather than paying back loans quickly. So to maybe break that down one one other way, and then we can roll on to rule number eight, unless you have something else to add with rule seven. If I have a dollar and I have a choice with this dollar, do I put it into PUAs or do I pay down a loan uh, with my one dollar? Um, if I put it into the paid up additions, it's going to grow with high degree of confidence and certainty to $9 by my age 90 if I'm 45 years old. Right. If on the other hand, I put that $1 toward my loan policy loan, it grows to $0 because there's no dividends paid on loan repayments, but I'm slightly reducing my loan interest, policy loan interest. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, there's got to be a balance though, Mark. And that's what I was trying to explain, you know, uh, sooner or later and 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 you should you should borrow against your policy because you're going to have major purchases we all uh-huh. do and you should be using your own capital for those purchases by borrowing against your cash value so at some point everybody's going to have a policy loan they should have so the issue then becomes how much of my available cash flow my my discretionary income should i put to pay the loan back versus paying premium and you should always favor pre- paying premium and pay back those loans over a reasonable period of time, rule number six. I, I see how they're all integrating together. This is like, it's like looking into a diamond of Jim's mind. I love it. <laughs> uh, all the facets. <laughs> yeah, of- the other thing that I should mention here, uh, Mark, is that um, when you get near retirement, and by retirement, I, I'm defining that as the time when you're not earning income. You know, you're going to live off of your savings. You're going to have passive income. As you near retirement, you need to get your loans paid back on your policy so that when you reach retirement time, you've got all your loans paid back and you've got the maximum amount of cash value mm-hmm. available to you to, to create income in retirement. So the rules kind of change a little bit when you get near retirement, but up until that point, you know, you should be paying premium. Uh, you should favor paying premium over paying back your loans quickly. And I know people want to pay their loans that quickly because they've been trained that way. You know, they've, they're used to paying credit card uh, payments and they want to get them paid off. They're used to paying their house off and they want to get it paid off. Well, this is different. You're going to start thinking differently than the way the rest of the world thinks when you bank on yourself. There you go. Yeah. Fantastic. I couldn't agree more with rule number seven and really each rule has its own, I think, wisdom to it. But rule number eight is going to throw, I think, our <laughs> our engineers in the room uh, for a, uh, a loop. So tell us rule number eight and why that rule matters so much to the other rules that you've mentioned so far. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways I could put rule number eight, but I'll just put it this way. If you bank on yourself, you can forget about interest rates and rate of return. 
What? Jim, did I hear you right? What? I thought rate of return was the holy grail of investing, and I thought you should do everything to get the lowest interest rate you can get. What do you mean forget about interest rates and rates of return? Well, when you bank on yourself, you have guaranteed growth every year for the rest of your life and beyond because your death benefit's going to go to somebody and they're going to put that into another policy if they're thinking properly. So it's going to, you got guaranteed growth forever. Not only that, but the growth rate is guaranteed to get better over the rest of your life and there's nothing you can do about it. Rule number one, that is the growth in a properly designed bank on yourself type policy is exponential. So what is the rate of return on guaranteed exponential growth, Mark? The answer is it can't be defined. But I'll take guaranteed exponential growth over unknown growth any day, wouldn't you? Absolutely. What about interest rates? If you bank on yourself, higher interest rates are your friend. I look forward to higher interest rates. Why? because I don't have any money anywhere else but in my policies, in my guaranteed policies, because whole life dividends go up and down directly with interest rates. If you bank on yourself, higher interest rates are your friend. I look forward to higher interest rates. Why? Because whole life dividends go up and down directly with interest rates. So do policy loan interest rates. But according to rule number six, you're going to pay off your loans in a reasonable amount of time, so the dollar amount of interest you pay goes down over the life of a loan. But higher dividends are forever. That is, since you're buying paid-up additional life insurance with your dividend payments, those paid-up additions are going to work for you for the rest of your life. Watch my dollar diagram for proof. If it's a compounding, never-ending compounding system, that is sensitive to interest rates in some regards in that in the way that when a when mortgages go up uh when even loan interest rates on policy loans go up that just means higher bigger fatter dividend checks for you you bet you know like right now interest rates are as low as they've been in my lifetime historically even the lowest interest rates since world war 2 that means dividend scales are the lowest they've been historically as well. So if interest rates go up in the future, and they don't have to go up much before my dividend is going to double, triple, quadruple, um, I'm going to throw a party when that happens. I mean, I get the letter from the company that says, you know, your interest rate on your policy loan next year is going to be 8%. The rest of the world is going to... <laughs> The rest of the world is going to have a cow, right? Because, my gosh, they're not going to be able to pay off their credit cards. They might default on their mortgage. They might lose their job. But, but we who bank on ourselves, we're going to be ecstatic. Like I said, I might throw a party, you know, because my uh, dividend is going to quadruple. Yeah, the interest rate on my loan is going to go up, but I'm going to pay it back in a reasonable amount of time. It's the dividends that count. They're, they're forever, like I said. So good. Well, I hope I get invited to your party, Jim, when that time comes. <laughs> so You'll be on the list. Thanks. Oh, great. So with our moments left, tell our listeners who are no doubt chomping at the bit to learn more, how do they find you? Say again, your YouTube channel, and then also any other way you'd like them to reach out to you. You can um, 
view my dollar diagram at my YouTube channel, just search the keyword Conrad Financial Services. And on that dollar diagram uh, comments, I give my contact info. If you want to just send me an email to start a chat, you know, you can email me at jim at conradfinancial.us. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me, and we can start a conversation. I'm glad to be a part of that conversation, Jim. You're uh, always bringing us, I think, not only just a, a fresh perspective, but one that's been um, through the ringer of, of a mind like yours. So thank you for your help and contributions to the movement and the revolution of people learning to think different about their money. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast, Mark. You know, uh, God bless you and, and what you're doing. Likewise. All right, perfect. So I know at the beginning of this episode, I promised a treat in that interview with Jim Conrad. And I, I, I think... Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that most of our listeners would have to agree. I yeah. mean, that that's just phenomenal. Again, I, I told you, anytime you get to like hear from him, he's just he shoots you straight. He tells you how it is, and I love it. Um, so thank you so much, Jim, for your input and your insight and for being willing to share that with all of our listeners uh, here today. And Mark, so what would you say were maybe a particular point or element that stood out to you um, uh, yeah. in the interview with Jim? I really think it's mind-bending when he says there's literally no such thing as paying too much premium. That's that that makes your jaw drop and you're like how can that possibly be? And again, I'd recommend if you haven't already, take a minute, uh, pull the car over, whatever, and search on YouTube for uh, Conrad Financial Services. He's got a I don't know, 12-15 minute video showing proving this concept that uh, every dollar you put into this system, this policy's cash value is yours to use over and over and over again. Uh, And I think that's really one of the foundational buttresses that hold the other rules up is that there is no such thing as paying too much premium. Now, obviously you have other limitations in your life, you know, you still got groceries to pay, but Mm -hmm. there's, you know, that's an important key feature to his mindset on how bank on yourself really works. What about yourself, Holly? Yeah, I guess just one that um, stood out to me and and more just from a standpoint of, I mean, it's just like what's relevant and real um, in my life right now was his rule number seven, uh, favor paying premium over paying back loans quickly. And this is just something I've been, um, I guess, kind of going back and forth on myself with my husband and I just buying a house. Um, in preparation for little girl on the way. Mm-hmm. And um, so now you can imagine, so we we used our policy for the down payment on the house. So now we've got a pretty, the biggest loan we've ever taken from our policy um, for sure it, for this down payment. We've just been renting previous. And so now we've got this pretty sizable loan balance before it had just been like cars and little things. And it was pretty easy to just kind of set up a- The Maserati was just a small little loan, <laughs> huh? Okay, fine. I get it. I no, get it. definitely do not have that. Um, but you know, it was pretty easy just kind of like set up a payment plan. Though, oh yeah, that's going to be paid off in you know however many years, and we're good. Um, but now it's like, oh dang, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. we got to set up the long term payment plan with this, and just and you know thinking about like other things that be coming up too. It's like okay, well now we've got like this baby too, you know, we've got like college, and you know got to make sure the money's back in there for that. And so it, sometimes it can be a little hard as I'm you know thinking it through, and again like I'm subject to all the same mindset shifts and, and pitfalls as, as everyone else. And so sometimes I'm kind of looking, I'm like, okay, got to get this loan paid off, like most aggressive payment plan. And it's like, well, but yes, maybe, but 
not to the sacrifice of paying the original premium. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, but we still have to make sure we're fully funding these policies. That comes first. Then once the policy is fully funded, then we can start worrying about um, paying that loan down at, you know, a more, more aggressive rate. And so you know, just kind of trying to talk myself and coach myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) through that um, myself. And so really encouraging to hear it from someone who, um, you know, has been doing it even longer and and, um, as wise as Jim, you know, for him to say, okay, no, get your policy paid, then worry about your loans. If an engineer, a former engineer can tell it straight, I think, you know, we could all listen to him, right? Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of some thoughts that I had. I hope that you guys were able to take away some awesome little nuggets of wisdom from today's episode as well. So just want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.